Jesus said in John chapter 12, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's what Jesus said. and That's what we're trying to do here at Emmanuel. Hello, my name's Pastor Bob Gray, and I'm glad that you've taken the time to join us for one of our services. Our goal here at Emmanuel is to lift up Christ, to lift him up so high that no matter where you're at right now, he will draw you closer to him. That's our goal. May you enjoy the services of Emmanuel. And if I can be of service to you, please let me know. God bless you. Enjoy the service. Galatians chapter number two. There's a phrase in verse number 20 that can be confusing. And so this morning, what exactly does this mean? Look at verse number 20. and Let's read the very first phrase out loud. Are you ready? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Ready? Begin. I am crucified with... This is what the writer is telling us, Paul, to the church at Galatia. The church is there. He said, I am crucified with Christ. And then look at the very next phrase. Nevertheless, I live. So, so this is this conundrum of these two. Crucifixion, meaning death. And then how do you live? So how do you live a crucified life, and what does that mean? We have heard it said, if you have been in church any length of time, live the crucified life. Well, what exactly does that mean? And I think that we can kind of gain a bigger understanding, which I, my prayer is this, is that even with myself, that I walk out of here with, a, with just this invigoration to live the crucified life, not according to the voices that maybe have said, no, 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 this is what it means, but let's let God define what it means this morning, and that's my prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I am just looking at the, the very last verse here. I do not frustrate the grace of God as I, I, I come to pray, and Lord, and I don't want to make the grace that you've given us something complicated, something that's overwhelming. But Lord, it's simple. It, it is very, very simplistic. Lord, as we look into your word, may you help us, please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here in Galatians chapter 2, especially this section of verses, which start at verse 11, it ends at verse 21. Verse 11, there is this problem taking place among two church leaders. If you'll look in verse 11, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to blame. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according, here it is, to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as, not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews, who were by nature... And uh, who, were, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the what, please, law, but by the faith. The biggest problem here that you have is this. We're looking for proof 
on the outward that there is faith inward. This was the problem. And the problem was, if you are truly a believer on the inside, then at some point we should see something happening in the flesh on the outside. The moment Christ saved you, he declared you justified by faith, not by sight. This is why he tells us as believers, walk by faith, not by sight. This is why he said in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 3, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh, through the flesh? Because there, the, 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 the big problem here in this text, and, and I don't mean to bring heaviness to you this morning, but I need to bring it on a Sunday morning so that we can get to the liberation of the text. He said the truth of the gospel is this. You were declared justified not by what you do in the flesh, but by what you did in your heart. And, and if in your heart, you realize that Jesus paid it all. If in your heart you realize that Jesus was the perfection of the law. The law said, thou shalt not kill. Jesus said, never have. The law said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, never have. The law said, thou shalt not steal. Jesus said, never have. You see, every point of the law that condemns you and I, guess what it never did to him? It never condemned him. This is why you and I don't stand a chance when we measure up to the perfection of the law because we cannot be perfect. The book says if you've offended in one, you've offended in all points. This is the problem. And so the problem is this. If you've ever lied, then you also have the ability to be an adulterer. This is what it means. And because maybe I'm not an adulterer, but I am a liar, guess what? It doesn't matter. I need a Savior. And the point of the mirror is not to point out at how bad you are, it's to point out that you are bad. Yours, Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall what please no flesh be justified. My mother to this day, she is 70 in her mid-70s, and she has a claim to fame in the Gray family that no other Gray family can claim. Kim, I don't know if you can claim this. She has never had a ticket. Can you claim that, dear sister? Yeah. I, Mark's like, no, trust me, I paid the tickets. Nobody in the gray family can lay claim to this. I obey all the laws of the land when it comes to driving. My mother does. My mother gets in that car when she used to drive, and she's not able to drive anymore, but it was 10 and 2. It was speed up to the speed limit. You put your seatbelt on, you put your blinker on 200, 200 feet before you change the lane. She knows how much 200 feet is, and this is her. Listen very closely. I believe her when she says she's perfect in the driving laws. Her claim to fame is this. I have reached the pinnacle of perfection in driving that I no longer have to go down to the DMV to get my license. They send it to me in the mail. And I'm thinking to myself, they send mine too, but it's all cut up in little pieces. They stay off the road. 
But, but she is perfect. And if you look at the text here, it said this, by no flesh, no flesh can be justified by the law. Look at verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Do you know what it means? The more you say, Christ, I need you to be my justification, guess what you realize? I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. There's no pride in the flesh. Y'all need to hear this this morning because I'm coming down to something. There's no pride in the flesh. Because you realize, the more I seek Christ as my justification, he declared me saved, that the more I look at the law, the more I realize, man, he paid it all. Y'all, listen to this. He paid it all. Look at verse number 18. For, for, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Transgressor. You know what it literally is saying is? Even if I could go back and rebuild the points I transgressed, by the mere fact I'm admitting I need to rebuild that, guess what I'm saying? I transgressed it. It is those questions parents ask their children that backs them into a corner. My granddaughter is an amazing creature. And Natalie right now, time change has not worn well on Natalie. Natalie's the analytical Doyle. She is the, let me back up. She is the conniving Doyle. Because Grayson's analytical. Blake is just all-encompassing. And uh, you know how that goes. And Grant is just wonderful. And uh, do I have any more grandchildren to... Okay. Uh, so, Deanna... No, okay. So, Deanna... Mm, nope. Uh, Natalie, the other day, is at the house. And uh, and Natalie is trying to eat something. Natalie, Natalie, listen, Grand Bob. You need to eat that in the kitchen. So Natalie goes back, and she crawls up on that stool, and she begins to eat at the counter, the island there. Well, she goes back into the, in, into, into, the, into the living room, and she says, Hey, Grand Bob, what is that? And at the very end of the, of the sofa is an end table. And I said, Well, that's an end table. She says, Hey, Grand Bob, what do you do with that? And I said, Well... That's what, it's there to put your drink on and to put stuff on. Oh, okay. Like food, Grandpa? And it's like, oh, no, I just got taken by a five-year-old. And then she was like, and then she just said, okay. And she went back. I said, just bring your food and, 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 and let's just, 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 and there was, we have a, a, a coffee table. I said, just put it on the coffee table. Well, she wants to put it on that table at that spot. And she was like, okay, Grandpa, but if I do that, sweet tea will eat it. I think the best place for this to go is right here with this table that was made for food. She's just like her mother. And uh, you know what? Even if you could go back and fix the law of God, you see, the law of Grandbob says you eat in that. Do you know what the law, even if you could fix it, what this verse is saying is, even if you could fix it, if you could build again the things that you destroyed. So take whatever sin you want to take right now in your mind and put it as just 
whatever can be broken, and maybe if we could take in our minds and make it a number two pencil from school, that yellow pencil, and right now just break it. You broke it. Admit it. I broke it. Even if you could put it back together, the fact you knew what to put back together means that you were the transgressor. You now are admitting I was not perfect. Here we go. For through the law, for I through the law, look at verse 19. I'm trying to explain the scripture. For I through the law am, what please, dead to the law, that I might live unto God. And that's when he said, I am, what, crucified with Christ. Now let's talk about that. How do you live this continuous crucified life? Well, the first thing I would tell you is this, among the many thoughts I'm going to give you this morning, is it's not an inactive life. You see, he said in the verse before, I'm dead. Well, how can you be dead yet live? What he's trying to say here is this, that don't think this is a martyr. Don't think that you now, well, if I'm going to live the crucified life, I've got to live this dead life, this boring life, this life with no, just no joy, and now I just can't do anything, and I just can't, can't go where I want to go and do what I want to do, and well, if I live that crucified life, it's just going to be terrible. No, 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 no. Nothing in Christ. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. I am dead. Listen to the beauty of this. I am dead to anything that could ever condemn me to hell because I have Christ. My mother. Go back to my mom. Miss Perfection in her driving record. When she hears a siren, she's not panicked because she's keeping the law. When you don't look at me that way, when you and I hear a siren, his foot off the pedal, and, and then the famous things when your children turn around and look at the police and my father, don't look like me looking is going to cause him to come back. And do you know there are some things that when somebody says, oh, oh, you are this and this, do you know what? You know what, the, you know what being dead to the law because of Jesus Christ paid it all means? Is that you and I no longer have to live in this fear. We no longer have to live in this box. Let me tell you something. There is freedom when you're alive in Christ, not freedom to go do the things that Christ paid for, but this freedom to live. So how do you live this free life? This crucified life began and if you, when you look at this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of God. Look at this, and it gives us insight how to, how to live it. Look at Galatians 2.20. Who what, please, loved me and did what? Gave himself for me. Can we travel back, please, if you will? to the book of Matthew. Let's go all the way to the book of Matthew. And I think the best place to look at this crucified life, and I'm coming down to one thought that I want to give you. Please know this, the day you trusted Christ as your Savior was the day you became dead to any condemnation by the law. The guilt you and I have is because we did those things. The guilt you and I may carry is because we, somebody else paid for those things that we did. There's this grieving like, I, I can't believe I did those. But listen to this. You and I have to live this crucified life. So what is involved in this crucified life? That little last phrase right there when I was studying it out, who loved me and did what? 
gave himself for me. Well, then I went back and started studying the crucifixion, and there probably are seven thoughts of how to live the crucified life, but I think the crucified life does not mean a crucifixion life. This is a difference. There's only one that paid it all. And I think sometimes Christians walk around and go, well, if I'm going to live this crucified life, I've got to have a martyr complex about me, and I have to walk around with poor as me. I am suffering because somebody needs to... No, 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 no. We're getting ready to go into to Easter. And I, there, when the countries were open, we would travel down, uh, and we would travel down to Fresno, Mexico, and we would be there for the Good Friday weekend and it would be we would we would fly in on Wednesday the only flight in with American and and we would stay Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and then we do Monday Tuesday and then come back out well right there on the good Friday they would have the parade and and and, and I'm not quite sure what you call this parade but they would have this parade with somebody carrying a cross and then them whipping the back and these mourners would line up when we think about the crucified life do not think about the crucifixion life you see there's only one who paid it all and that's Jesus Christ he didn't come in the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he did not come to give you the crown of thorns, he wore the crown of thorns. And whenever you meet a believer that's living a crown of thorns life, that this is just, this is always a martyr look on their life, they're not living the crucified life because this crucified life is a life of resurrection. It's not a life of crucifixion. When you say, I'm living this crucified life, let me give you one of the seven thoughts, and if you'll study the crucifixion, and but more than that, let's back up. In, in Matthew 20, in Matthew 26, verse 36, I'm going to give you one thought this morning that I want to leave with you. Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane. Let me begin by saying this. A crucified life begins with your garden of Gethsemane. You see, when you and I are trying to live this crucified life, then we come back and say, he loved me so much that he gave himself. Well, this giving himself is not just Calvary. It is the whole process that took place. If you want to live the crucified life, let me, let me encourage you, study from the Garden of Gethsemane all the way to the Emmaus Road, and what you're going to find out is that he was amazing. He doesn't need me to tell him that. I just needed to say it. He was amazing. Because look what it says here. I'm going to give you one thought. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto them, unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray. Now everything we're about to read, I'm going to apply it to our lives. But know this, the application to our life is not the application to the Son of God's life. He was perfect. But the reason this is here is to show us what does it mean to live this crucified life. He said unto them, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. It's a southern book. And he took him with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. This inner circle, if you will. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I, what please, 
Oh, there it is. There's the first truth. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Hey, look at verse 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that, the, that, ye enter into the, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, would you please read the last four words? Thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Oh, my father, verse 42, if thy cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. Then cometh he to the disciples and saith unto them, sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. The first lesson, and I'll save the others for, for subsequent sermons, is this. If you and I want to live the crucified life, then you must, on a consistent basis, lay down your will and pick up his will. Living the crucified life is not you saying, God fit in my plans. God fit here. Living the crucified life is you saying, God, not what I want. Now let's just clear the deck. This is not a struggle between Jesus and his father about, I don't want to go to the cross. You want me to go. I don't want to go. It was not that. I hate to break this news to you, but the book clarifies the book. He said this, who for the joy that was set before him. <laughs> I mean, he waked up going, mm, I get to go to the cross. He gets to endure for the joy. And when you lay down your will, it is not a battle of wills. It is saying, I've made up my mind that I am going to the cross. Would you look at the phraseology here because he says this, my soul is exceedingly sorrow. Look at verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup, what, pass from me. The phraseology here is giving us the indication that it was what his father wanted. It's what he wanted. But guess what he had to do? He had to lay down his will and say, Father, I want the timing of what you want. This is the crucified life. You see, you're not living the crucified life, and you cannot live it if it's still what you want. You see, what we're trying to do is get your flesh to change what your flesh wants. No, 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 no. You have to change. In fact, he gives us this, if you'll go a little bit further down, because he uses the disciples there is a contrast between Jesus and the disciples. He said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Then look at verse 41. Well, watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is what, please? But the flesh is. So he gives us this connotation. What he's saying is this. No, 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 no. No, no. I am not like you. I am the son of God. 
And I am telling you right now, I've already made up my mind that as the Son of God, I'm headed to the cross. All joy set before me. I can't wait to get to the cross to pay for everybody's sins. But the timing of this life, I'm going to put into his hands. The crucified life is, first of all, you saying, God, I want what you want. And most people can't break through to having joy in their Christian life because they've not said, God, I want what you want. Are you sitting here this morning still saying, no, God, you got to fit in my box? And boy, I hope my words this morning pierce you and provoke you and push you to this point. Stop putting God in what you want. Just resign yourself. I'm in my garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to live this crucified life. He paid it all. I'm dead to the law uh, I'm, I'm, because he paid it all. And God, I just want you to know right now. And this is what Paul said. You know what Paul said? Paul said this. I live. The, I'm, I am crucified with Christ. What he was saying was out of the seven things that I drew out from the garden of Gethsemane, to the Emmaus Road that I believe Paul is living all seven of these when he said, I'm living the crucified life. But the very first thing is this, not my will, not my timing. Because if you'll notice in verse number 45, he says this, then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, sleep on now, take your rest, behold, behold, would you please read with me the next phrase? The hour is at, you know what he said? When I entered into the garden, the timing wasn't right. When I came out of the garden, now it's the hour. The crucified life is wrapped up in this. Get out of the driver's seat and say, God, I'm on your timetable. I'm not going to overwhelm you with all seven of them, but I'll tell you the first one. Some people are struggling with the timing. And some people are like, I don't want to go through the sorrowing. I just want it to happen. But ladies and gentlemen, this is not God's will. You know what the Father's will was? You need to go to the garden. You know what the Father's will was? We're not discussing the cross. We're not discussing how you're going to do this. That was settled before the foundation of the world. That was settled. You know what we're going to talk about right now? We're going to talk about the timing of how we get this done. And what Paul was saying was this, I besought you three times to take this thorn from me, and you wouldn't take it. Paul had to realize that I am crucified with Christ. Stop putting, stop putting the timing, listen to this, on the flesh to prove Live the crucified life and get on God's timetable. You know what the best thing some of y'all can do spiritually? Watch this. Is get rid of all, all these spiritually. Take your calendar and delete it from your laptop of life. And just say this. God, you know where I'm at. And you know how committed I am, and I'm just going to put it right there. And when the hour happens, I love grandfather clocks. I've always been intrigued by grandfather clocks. 
Brother Stone operates a, a antique shop down on the uh, downtown. And I was in there one day just perusing and walking through, and there was this wall miniature grandfather. It was a miniature one on the wall. And I would stand there and watch that thing. Do you know what I, I'd love to do? It's been something since I was a little boy. I was intrigued by grandfather. I love to stand in front of that tall grandfather clock and watch that hand and look at that little hand, and I would go, okay, the little hand's on four. The big hand's getting ready to strike noon. Can anybody tell me what would happen next with the grandfather clock? Ding, 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 ding. And I would stand there and go, yep. The timing and the noise match. Our dear friend said cuckoo down here. My, 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 no, no, this is the truth. My mother loves cuckoo clocks. You know, one with the little heavy pine cones that go, and then you go, and you, and you put them back up. And, you, you know, let me give you a hint. When you try to swing on those as a six-year-old, that doesn't go very well for the clock. And then you deny it when you're 16. And why did that clock work? I don't know. And, uh, but that thing would, that thing would come out. Let me tell you, the problem with living the crucified life for many Christians is not that you're com- not committed to Christ. It is the fact that I want you to do your will, which I'm committed to, on my time. My time. The crucified life is when you have to say, God, I'm not talking about the tough times. I'll do the tough times. I'm not talking about, I'll, I'll do it. But when do you want me to do it? When? This is tough. I have a dear friend, and I'll, musicians, if you'll come, I have a dear friend in Henderson, North Carolina. He's going to come preach for us here not too long. His name is Dr. Michael Grant. He is a connoisseur of Bibles. He loves Bibles. And when he finds that kind of Bible, which he found the other day for me, that kind of Bible, he sends it to me. I got one, should be here Tuesday. I'm excited about this Bible. He's going to come preach our singles renewal. And, um, and he pastors there, but here's the very unique thing about this. His wife's name is Regina. His little boy's name is Will, and Will is two years old. And Brother Grant is 41 years old. He lived single for years. And he's so intriguing to me. And I'll tell you why he's intriguing to me. Because he is so full of confidence that he is like, when Miss Kelly and I get to talk to him on the phone in the truck, he's the most intriguing man I've ever met in my life. He's very stately. He goes everywhere in a suit. Very stately. He's Pastor Michael Grant. Pastor. And, and, and you know what it was, though? He said, Brother Gray, he said, all those years I lived single. All those years I lived single. I knew I would get married. But the hardest thing you'll ever do is just live on his hour. 
I think I want to end today on this. Living the crucified life is not living a crucifixion life. It is living this life in Christ who paid it all. And then you go back and you say, when did Christ start living the crucified life? I believe it was right there in that Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Lord, I'm not talking to you now about the if of the cross. There was no battle between the Son of God and the Father. He was God. He was not operating as man. He always operated as God. But know this. He had to say, your hour. I want your hour. Can I ask you a question? Are you rushing God? And, and are, are you holding God to what's palatable for you? Or are you in your garden and now you're battling? The crucified life, I think the first step is not my will, but thine. Thank you for being with us during this service. My prayer is always as I study that God would use his word to speak to people's hearts. And may you have a good day, a good week. Please know that if we can do anything for you here at Emmanuel, all you have to do is let me know. God bless you, my friend. Have a wonderful day.